1: Good afternoon, welcome.
0: Well, I hope everyone's enjoyed their holiday.
1: Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com, serving the valley for decades. Finding the right insurance at the right price for their great customers. Customer always comes first at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Neil Coulong on today's show. And we welcome Sean back to the show. Actually, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. He's out again. <laughs> how many days off do people take in this company? Uh,
2: you know, it must be it must be good to be here a thousand years and then you finally build up some vacation, you know.
1: Well, I guess I'm only finishing my sixth going to my seventh, so I don't have <laughs> There you that go. To
2: See, you're way behind the rest of them.
1: <laughs> uh, so, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. How about you? Merry Christmas, sir. Uh,
1: Merry Christmas. Great to have you. Neil Coolant will join us by the way in the show they after the Steelers went big yesterday. Uh show coming up on Friday night. If you are someone who enjoys history and enjoys the NFL, uh, you would like this show. It is the 50th anniversary of the Ice Bowl. Now, the Ice Bowl was... Let me set this up for you. 1967. It was New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, 1967. The NFL Championship game. The year before, down in the old Cotton Bowl, which is where they're playing the uh, Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl right now, in that stadium where they play the um, where they play the Oklahoma-Texas game on uh, the Texas State Fairgrounds. They that's where the Cowboys used to play. And in 1966, the Cowboys who had been just a rum-dum franchise. They were 0-11-1 their first year. They finally got the 500 in 1965. They went 7-7. Well, in 1966, the Cowboys then, you know what? Everything kind of started to come together for them. Don Meredith, Don Perkins, Bob Hayes. I mean, they, they had some players. Bob Lilly. And they get to the NFL championship game of the Cotton Bowl. And they play the Green Bay Packers. And the Cowboys, down seven, drive down to, I don't know, I say the one, the two, something like that. And on the final play of the game, Don Meredith gets pressure from Dave Robinson. Yes, Penn State's Dave Robinson. Uh, Dave, along with Jack Hammer, the only two Penn State players ever to be both in the college and pro football halls of fame. Dave Robinson puts tremendous pressure on Don Meredith, and he just flings the ball like he should. I mean, look, you're just trying to hope for something at this point. It's fourth down. All right? And he throws in the end zone, and Tom Brown picks it off. Okay. Packers win. Packers go to the first Super Bowl, and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs 35-10. So now this sets up the next year. 1967, 50 years ago. Packers have a, have a, another really good season. Not as great statistically as the '66 season, uh, but they're going for the third straight NFL title. They won in 65. There was no Super Bowl. They won in 66, then went to the first Super Bowl. Now we are just 67 going for the third. They beat the Rams in the opening round of the playoffs, and I want to say that was at actually in Milwaukee at County State because they used to play some of their games in Milwaukee. Well, they played the playoff game in Milwaukee. And I want to say the Cowboys beat the Cleveland Browns. And so now they're going to have a rematch. Well, the game is going to be in Green Bay on December 31st, which was a Sunday. And it is 15 below zero. 15 below. The wind chill is something like 46 below. So uh, the deepest, darkest wind chill for an NFL game ever was that Bengals-Chargers game where it was minus 53 or 54 or something like that in Cincinnati and the Bengals beat the Chargers and got to the Super Bowl. But the base temperature, never been a colder base temperature for an NFL game than this one. So it's 15 below, 46 below wind chill. Vince Lombardi... Had made a suggestion years ago to the board of directors of the Packers that he wanted to put heating coils under the field at Lambeau so they would not have to play on frozen turf. And the Packer board of directors, you know, especially with the national TV money they had coming in, said, Yeah, okay. I mean, we're with you. We'll do this. Okay. So they do it, they put heating coils in. And. Lombardi was proud of it, really proud of it. And he should have been because, look, it was a great great innovation. was smart. But what happened was is that they turned the heating coils on underneath the field uh, and melted everything and then put the tarp on. Well, what happened is you had condensation that built between the heating coils and the tarp so that on the morning of the game when they pulled the tarp off, all this moisture was underneath the tarp. And so when the the grass hit the 15 below with the moisture on it, it froze, much to Lombardi's embarrassment. Now, he shouldn't be embarrassed. He's not the one that timed it out wrong. Huh. All right, He didn't do anything wrong. Well, not just that. He's, he,
2: he had a great idea, but it wasn't his job to put it into play, right? right I mean, right. he's not a scientist. Exactly.
1: Right. And I guess the heating coils then froze. or the, There's a whole bunch of issues that came up. So now all that condensation froze, and the heating coils aren't working properly. So now the expression that uh, you hear John Facenda and, and you hear Chris Berman always impersonating John Facenda and the frozen tundra, that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. So the field is now a block of ice. Well, the Packers jump out to a 14 nothing lead earlier. I remember Bart Starr. I'm doing a lot of this from memory here. Bart Starr threw a, a touchdown pass to Boyd Dowler down the middle. And the Packers were up 14-0. They're in great shape. And here are the Cowboys. They're from Dallas. They're used to playing in warmer weathers, the whole deal. Like, they're going to have no shot in this, in this freezing temperature deal. No way. How wrong? The Cowboys, to their credit, come back. Meredith Don Meredith leads them back. So for all of you who remember Don Meredith from Monday Night Football and just thought he was a fun folksy announcer, Tom it to his credit, was a really good quarterback. And he brings them back, and I remember one play they ran, because Tom Landry would have a, a little trick up his sleeve now and then as to what he wanted to do. They ran a half-back option play with Dan Reeves. Yes, the Dan Reeves, who was the head coach of the Broncos. Yep. Yes, the Dan Reeves, who was the head coach of the Falcons and the Giants. Well, Dan Reeves was a good running back. Not a great running back, but was a good running back with the Dallas Cowboys. They ran a half-back option pass where he rolled left and as a right-handed quarterback threw it downfield. I want to say threw it to Lance Rensel. It's a 50-yard play. The Cowboys come back and take the lead 17-14. Now, you've got 50,000 fans, which at that time was a sellout at Lambeau. Now it's 80. They've added 30,000 seats since. You have 50,000 fans. Nobody's leaving. Enduring these temperatures. And nobody can really, and as the game kept going and going, nobody could get footing. So the Packers are down 17-14. They, I want to I say they get the ball back with, I don't know, four minutes to go somewhere four in that 50, neighborhood.
2: 4.50 on their own 32. They got it with 4.50 left on their own 32.
1: Okay, so I'm close.
2: Yep, very close.
1: Uh, and then Bart Starr, remember now, Bart Starr is calling his own plays. He doesn't have anybody in his helmet telling him what to do. He has to go out there, and he has to have his own feel for the game.
2: And at that point in the game, they estimate that the wind chill factor was around negative <laughs> 70.
1: Wow. And I remember the two running backs he was using, because Jim Taylor had gone in the expansion draft to New Orleans, and Paul Horning had also gone to New Orleans as well, but never played for the Saints. They had to replace the entire backfield, so now they've got Donnie Anderson and a guy they picked up from the New York Giants named Chuck Marseen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And star, you've seen Tom Brady do this many times. You've seen Joe Montana do this many times, right? And you saw, for example, on a college level against Iowa, Trace McSorley do this, taking what the defense giving gives them. Now the difference is. You've got Starr doing this, calling his own plays. And he uses a lot of little swings out of the backfield. The Mersine, the Donnie Anderson. And they start methodically moving the ball down the field. And they finally get, I don't know, inside the 10, maybe even inside the 5-yard line. Because, I mean, nobody had scored in the second half. I should say the Cowboys had scored in the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly. And and now they get down, and I want to say it's fourth and goal. And on fourth and goal, the Packers use their final timeout. And Vince Lombardi... Does not want to go to overtime. They could bring Don Chandler out. If I recall, he was their he was their place kicker. Don Chandler. They could bring him out, okay, and tie it and go to overtime. He doesn't want to do it.
2: It was actually third and goal, but um. I but they're out
1: of timeouts.
2: Right. Yeah, they were out of timeouts. So a running play would have ended the game. That's that's what basically what the story was.
1: Well, what happened was Star goes over and he says, "Look, I think." Bowman and Kramer can take Jethro Pugh. I can quarterback sneak it. And the great Lombardi quote, according to Bart Starr, and he would know better than anybody, he was in the conversation. He says, Well, then run it and let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so he gets he gets up there. The Packers did not have the play in the playbook. The Packers don't have the play in the playbook. Okay? And they run the quarterback sneak, I want to say, 16 seconds left in the game? maybe 16. Right around? Yep. Okay. And they run it over the... And I guess he taps Bowman. Kenny Bowman was the center. Right? And Kramer... I mean, Mercine thinks he's getting the ball. He thought it was a running play. Because, again, that's what Starr called in the huddle. Bowman and Kramer knew what he was going to do. And Starr took it because Starr's problem... He said was he didn't think Mercine or Donnie Anderson had the footing where they could dig in and go that it had to be quick. So Sart took it, a quarterback sneaky ran in himself. right They <laughs> I mean, he so instead of running the play to the fullback, which is the play he called in the huddle. He went up to the line and made his own decision and said, we're sneaking and he went And it turned out Kramer made a great block on Jethro Pugh. And Pugh had frostbite, for goodness sakes. And they scored. Now, NFL Network on Timeline is going to run the story of the Ice Bowl on Friday night at 9. And I think... Now, as somebody who loves history, loves football history... And for those of you who weren't alive for this, I think it is something you're going to find fascinating. But the Bart Starr part, he says, "Well, then run it. Let's get the hell out of here." Yeah,
2: well, that's what. And I'm I'm reading the article as you're telling the story. I'm just reading an article that kind of outlines the entire game, and yeah, and that's exactly what Lombardi told Bart Starr. Run it, and let's get the hell out of here. Bart Starr (laughs) says, Coach, the linemen can't get their footing for the wedge, but the backs are slipping. I'm right there. I can shuffle my feet and lunge in. Lombardi told Starr, run it, and let's get the hell out of here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because he doesn't make it. They can't get Don Chandler out there to kick it. Because they're out of timeouts.
2: Right. And then the funnier part is Lombardi, after the game, was asked by Pat Pepler what play star would call. And Lombardi replied, damned if I know.
1: <laughs> it's Because this was a different era. Quarterbacks called their own plays. Yeah. Hey, that was, that was the biggest rub that Roger Staubach had with Tom Landry that really bothered him. Staubach's a really smart guy. And for a period of time, very, very early in his career, Staubach called plays. And but Lombardi, I mean Landry, I'm sorry, Landry wanted more control, and so he he kind of took it away from Starbuck. It was always a problem. I mean Ben Roethlisberger wants to call his own plays. Essentially, Peyton Manning did. But quarterbacks in the Bart Starr Johnny Unitas era, Len Dawson, they all called their own plays. So this drive that he puts together, this 68 yard drive in the clutch, he called every play, made every decision. Uh,
2: Low statistics in that game too. They both had under 200 yards offense. I mean, that's crazy. Just, just a well,
1: lot of. Well, look at last night's Eagles Raiders game. Oh nobody God. moved. No, nobody moved the ball last night. Yeah, it's too cold, but that game was gross. <laughs> but, but they won. <laughs> yes. They get home field. That's going to be a big. That's going to be a big plus for them. Absolutely. Uh, having, having home field because you've got uh, Atlanta Dome team, New Orleans Dome team. Uh, Minnesota Dome team, uh, Rams Southern California team, mm-hmm. and a Southern team of the Carolina Panthers in that would now have to go through Philadelphia to move on. I will say this New Orleans, based on their running game, is probably best equipped to do it.
2: Yes, I agree with you. And also, I think the Rams are interesting only because you're not really sure. And they have well, a they good got, running game oh, as well.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. they got Todd Gurley. Right. And that and Gurley's a big, and to be honest with you, the Eagles. They won, but the last two weeks they have not played well.
2: Nope, they have not. They've been very streaky.
1: So we'll find out. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment. Neil Kulong on the show today as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance.
0: There are lots of ways to ring out the old and ring in the new. But But the the best way is in a new Ford car, truck, or SUV from Sunbury Motors Ford. As we count out the days in 2017, SMC SMC is where you want to be. But time is running out, so come to the dealer with four city blocks of new Fords. And the dealer voted Best in the Valley Reader's Choice for the best car dealership in the Valley for two years in a row. SMC is where you want to be with over 88 new Ford trucks with savings up to $13,500. SMC is where you want to be for the most trusted SUV brand. The Ford Escape. Choose from 33 new Ford Escapes starting as low as $18,975. And Sunbury Motors Ford has financing as low as 0% for up to 72 months on select models. Plus, during the final days of Ford's year-end sales event, there's now up to 2000 grand in total cash savings on specially tagged vehicles on top, top of, of the best deals of the, deals of the season. season. SMC is where you want to be to ring out the old and ring in the new. But you have to hurry before the ball drops. Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury.
1: Well, so that's Timeline, Friday night at 9 on NFL Network. So if you you have a chance to DVR it or watch it live, you like history, you like NFL history. Uh, The producer of the show is Michael Meredith, the son of Don Meredith the Cowboys quarterback, and he said that that game haunted his father more than any other that he took to his grave. He said, you have to remember, my father was a high school legend in Texas. At SMU, he was a college legend in Texas. And the one thing that always bothered his father is that he could not deliver an NFL championship for Texas. And even though Don Meredith had a happy-go-lucky on-air demeanor as an announcer, as an actor, uh, he had great pride as a professional football player. And he got to the NFL title game twice, and he lost the two games by a whopping total of 11 points each time on the last play of the game. New cool on coming up at 4.06 on the Steelers.
0: Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have... Serve this valley for decades because i have been able to find their customers, and the customer comes first, the right insurance at the best price. And if something happens to them, to a customer, they act as if it happened to them. It's all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. All right, let's get to, and, of course, we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. All right, time now for this day in sports history. Have a little fun with that, and then we'll try and figure out uh, what's going on with the National Football League. Another great week for the NFL where... Games get overshadowed because they can't get out of their own way. 1908, Tex uh, let's see, boxer Galveston Jack Johnson knocked out Tommy Burns in Sydney, Australia, become the first black boxer to win the world heavyweight title. Let's see, 1917, Harry Cameron of the Toronto Maple Leafs became the first defenseman to score four goals in a game. 1927, the East-West Shrine Game. Featured numbers on both the front and the back of players' jerseys. Things we take for granted today. Let's see. 1941, Bobby Riggs won his first pro tennis match. 1968, Teddy Green of the Boston Bruins, actually he's a really good defenseman, set an NHL record. When he picked up three minors, two majors, and two game misconducts,
2: <laughs> yeah, he's a good he's a good hockey player, but he could take a punch, obviously.
1: Uh, oh no, he could. Well, you know what? He got knocked out for an entire season when Wayne Mackey, who was playing, I think, it was the Vancouver Canucks at the time, I think, St. Louis Blues or Vancouver Canucks, took a stick and whacked it over Teddy Green's head.
2: Ah, uh, the old McSorley. The old McSorley actually. That was before McSorley yeah. did it.
1: The difference was that Teddy Green wasn't wearing a helmet.
2: Oh, God, yeah.
1: That's... yeah. Back in that era, they weren't wearing helmets. That's yeah, true. 1974, the Washington Capitals achieved their first NHL sellout at the old Cap Center, which is now FedEx Field. 1986, Dar- Doug Jarvis, 31 years of age at the time, set an NHL Ironman record, his 916th consecutive game. He eventually got it to 964 games. And in 2001, Patrick Waugh, then of the Colorado Avalanche, became the first goalie to win 500 NHL games between the Montreal Canadiens and the Colorado Avalanche. So there you go. That's this day in sports history.
2: May I bring up? You, you were saying for, things for taking for granted, the numbers on the back and the front of the jersey. I took, yeah. for, I took for granted the uh, away home jerseys. Like, when did it switch to home jerseys with a color jerseys and away jerseys with a white jerseys? The only sport that keeps it white jerseys at home is baseball. Every other sport is, is now colors at home, white away. Like, why is that? Or gray away, but still.
1: Um, when did that happen? Well, basketball is white at home.
2: Well, basketball's – no, they're kind of mixed in all well,
1: ways. No, uh, no basketball's white at home now. I mean, it, that's the standard is white at home. You're allowed to, to mix it up once in a while. I
2: mean, the Lakers wear yellow. I mean, basketball's always kind of weird. They've always been kind of weird. The,
1: well, I the, mean, no, but the base colors for the Cavaliers and the Celtics, or whatever, at home, you know, the Bulls are all white. The Lakers have always been gold. Okay, the yeah. Lakers have always been gold. Just the way it always has been. I don't – you know, it's just what they're – Home colors are. eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. 795 9565 Oh, we've got people jumping in with calls here. Very nice. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, Neil Kulong, next half hour will talk about the Steelers in the NFL. I mean, what's a catch in the NFL? I mean, there was an NFL films. Documentary, you know, and NFL films puts out a lot of great work. And Marv Levy is on the sideline. And Marv Levy yells out at one point, You owe for a vicious jerk. Then he looks over at one of the assistant coaches and says, Yeah, I went to high school with that guy. <laughs> or college. I went to college with that guy. <laughs> so he knew him. Okay. So that was part of the joke. Uh, Buzz uh, is on the road, and he has a Vince Lombardi question.
3: While you were telling us stories about Lombardi, it reminded me of one of my favorite stories, but it's been so long since I've heard of it, I forget which team he was with. But there was a team that he was coaching It could have been the Packers. And in the first half, they were just awful. They were getting stomped by whoever it was they were playing, and they went into the locker room at halftime, and he didn't go in there until about two minutes before... The half was over and he poked his head in the door and looked in and he said, Oops, sorry ladies, wrong locker room
0: <laughs> And then
3: and then of course the second half they came back and came out and took it. Do you remember that story or which team that was
1: about? It was the it was the Packers. Okay, and I think I think it was a game at the Coliseum against the Rams. Okay. <laughs> I
3: thought it was a great story.
1: Well, the uh, you ever hear the 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 two locker rooms at the Coliseum in Los Angeles are right next to each other okay and you know and you know I remember walking in the tunnel and looking around like wow how close they were well Notre Dame of course every other year has to play out there whenever they play at Notre Dame the games in October whenever they play at the Coliseum the game is in November right after Thanksgiving or right around Thanksgiving so Jerry Faust is coaching Notre Dame and John Robinson is coaching USC. So before the game, Faust gets up and goes into this fiery tradition speech. Now the two locker rooms buzzer next to each other. I mean, right next to each other. So all the USC players can hear this. And he's getting up there, and Faust is yelling, Tradition, the four-horsemen, Tradition, Newt Rockney, Tradition, Heisman Trophy winners, and he's going, he says, he says you know, Leahy, Rocky, Parsigan, Heisman Trophy winners Brown and Horning, and you know he's going on the whole thing, right? Yeah. He says, "Let's go out there, go!" They all charge out of the locker room, and the USC locker room is quiet. And John Robinson gets up in front of his team and he says, "Oh, by the way, there's one part of the great Notre Dame tradition he forgot. They never win here. Let's go kill them." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love those
1: stories. Thanks so much. Thanks, Buzz. (laughs) Another part of the great Notre Dame tradition. He forgot to tell them they never win here. Let's go kill them. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Those are now some of that old stuff's funny. It's a riot, uh, and we have a good time with it. But yeah, that's the whole party story. Oh, sorry, ladies, wrong locker room. (laughs) I think it was the Ram I think it was the it was either the Rams or the Colts. And I think it was the Rams. in uh, los Angeles. Although the Colts always they always had a great rivalry with the Colts back in the day. Yeah, because the Colts were really good. They had Unitas. they had Barry, they had Lenny Moore, you know, they had Gino Marchetti. I mean, you know, they the Colts had some great players. Yeah, you know, and so did the Packers. And you know, but I, feel, I, well, I want to say 1965. They had to play a playoff game against each other, which you know had been unheard of at that point. All right, Dick. On Happy New Year, NFL. Right. Hi, I wanted
3: to wish you guys a Happy New Year and good luck for the this weekend for the Penn State. Yeah, I
1: appreciate that. Thank you.
3: But I really wanted to ask you. You said about the weekend, with the, the week with the NFL, and is, is it my imagination? You, you know, like I watched the Steelers last week with with the, the with Uh, New England. Then I watched this week with New England and Buffalo. And look, uh, do you think that do you think they're getting calls they don't deserve? New England. Well, it seems you know I'm listening to the guys in the booth analyzing this, and and they're you know like the guys in the booth are zero for three.
1: Well, the problem is not the guys in the booth. The problem is New York.
3: I understand that that. they're reviewing this, but I guess my point. Go ahead.
1: And they're they're micromanaging the game, and. For one thing, let let's I'll start with Jesse James and I'll go to Kelvin Benjamin, okay? On Jesse James's play, this is the part where they're way off base. And now I know what the rule says about completing it to the ground, which is a bunch of garbage. You know it, I know it. Jesse James makes the catch. He's got control of the ball. His knee hits the ground. Now, what's Jesse James trying to do? Is he struggling? Is he trying to struggle to control the ball? Or is he trying to, with control of the football, reach over the goal line for a touchdown?
3: That's what he actually was trying to do.
1: Of course he was, right? That's why it's a catch. He's already got control of the ball. Now he's trying to make the football move, which he's already in the process of doing, trying to reach the ball over. And the second that ball goes over, it's a touchdown. Common sense says that, you and I know both know that the only one that doesn't seem to know that is Al Riverton, which now brings us to Kelvin Benjamin tell me how on God's green earth they can look at that play and tell footwork, how they, can. no, they can't, exactly right, and if I'm an official on the field, those two officials on the field made a really really tough call tough call and did a heck of a job. And then a guy in New York tell him, no, you didn't. You got it wrong. maybe you mean you got it wrong? He didn't get it wrong. The guy in New York got it wrong. Because that should have been not confirmed. Okay? Confirming to tough. of them. Right. In other words, stands is called. Right. That's what it should have been. Both should have been stands is called. And you know what's interesting about it? Is you notice on either play, you notice none of the Patriots complained on either play before the... Uh, either call, none of them well, I mean, when the when the play happened, nobody did anything. They were like, oh, okay
3: the only thing that I don't like about it is I don't have any dog in the fight, so who wins, who wins is who they wins, but it just seems to me that New England gets every break that other teams don't seem to get, and i I could be right. wrong, maybe, they,
1: maybe um, just, I mean it, you know, basically it, it, there's it,
3: things there Buffalo scores that touchdown, and they're ahead of the half time it might be a completely different second half.
1: no question. No question, it might and if, be. If
3: the Steelers score, score, score a touchdown, it's a completely game, different game. A lot, everything is different. But and I'm right. just saying, that, you know, right. I'm not. I don't know that the guy in there is showing any favoritism or supposed to, but I don't know. It just seems like you know, to me. what
1: he's doing is micromanaging the game. It doesn't matter. Who, it doesn't matter to me who the uh, who the uh, teams are. I, he's not. I don't think he's sitting in there saying, "Hey, let's go, New England." Although my my daughter did show me this funny uh, post somebody put up and they said NFL huddles and it showed the Steelers in the black and gold in a huddle, yeah. then it showed the Bills in their in their white with their helmets on in a huddle, and then it showed the officials in a huddle and said the Patriots. <laughs> So, well, <laughs> it's almost like if they, if they go
3: through and, and play in the NFL in the championship, they almost just put an asterisk next to it someday, somehow. Maybe, you know, just it's just me thinking about it. Anyhow. I mean, Dick,
1: <laughs> Dick, they they're micromanaging the game, and it's, this is what here's what the NFL has now done now for years. Okay, they can't manage a football issue in a championship game that's decided by 38 points. They drag that into a year and a half in court. They can't manage suspensions. They can't manage how how to do pregame. And they can't manage officials' calls. I mean, mean, they they suck the joy out of everything. They suck the joy out of everything. I mean, you don't go through a given week where you're like, hey, every week you go through, they do something that is beyond the realm of stupid.
3: It seems that way to me. And and there's enough people who have lost interest in football as it is, especially the NFL, I guess.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. I mean, mean, if they want to sit there and say, why are we struggling with attendance? Why are we struggling with ratings? Why don't we all take the group in a room, look in the mirror, and then realize that is the start of the problem right there that needs to be solved?
3: Well, they're never going to admit they're wrong or doing something wrong. And that is
2: the biggest problem right there. And to, and to compound that, I had read in an article that this, all, this whole when is a catch or what is a catch thing stems all the way from when Calvin Johnson yeah. and the Lions lost that playoff game to the Packers because of that not making a football move or surviving the ground nonsense that the NFL refuses to admit they got wrong. That's all they had to say was we got that wrong and that's it. Move on.
3: Well, I was thinking about this today, and, I, and I, of course they'll never do this either, but you know how they re- they go to review. Maybe they ought to have a guy for each game or two guys sitting somewhere and, and have a headset so I'm with the guy that's the head official and say, uh, by the way, this is the way this actually is, because he's not looking at the review right off the bat.
1: Well, I think college has its own issues on reviews, but I will say this, by having people on location, there with the game and so forth, I feel like the college review is better than the pro review. And having yeah. everything go back to New York is a major major step backwards. Uh, because they they're del- that took 3 minutes and 24 seconds. 324. Look, come up with a call, move on. Let's go. All right, and now like they're micromanaging and looking for like did he skim the ground? Yeah. Is it now I'm going to sink it up? Stop with the sinking up make a call, move on, right? There's no way on the planet, I don't care what he says, there's well, no I way on the planet.
3: I think I told you, you this right. earlier. I thought that the guys that did the best review were the little league guys in winsport.
1: <laughs> yeah, they probably. And they did a nice job. Right. Yeah, they <laughs> did a really nice job. And they were efficient.
3: <laughs> hey, Steve, have a nice New Year. Good luck you to have You have a great
1: New Year. Thanks so much. It's always a pleasure, Dick.
3: We'll see you. Thanks.
1: Say, We'll come back with more in a moment. I mean, look, they're sucking the life out of the game. They micromanaged everything so much, and they botched so many things. I mean, this is the gang that can't shoot straight. When they finally get some gold in a great, great football game, they wreck it. They wreck it.
2: And and it's even and it's even further that like uh, same same discussion as the Calvin Johnson thing within the same discussion I heard that they are now using uh, replay for what they initially said they weren't going to they're looking for other things now they're like the Calvin Benjamin play was wasn't it called back due on something that they weren't even initially looking at
1: like it wasn't no, that, the initial uh,
2: call it was something else
1: well I think they're no I'm trying to see if he had control in his feet in i don't think i don't think that was the issue i think i think they i think they made the call of what they were supposed to be calling but you're looking at it and you're saying you're telling me you can tell whether he has control and 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 not his foot or what you're telling me that really like what what do you have super human <laughs> eyes that you can see on your HD screen that I can't see on my HD screen?
2: Yeah. Really? I thought it was supposed to be, you know, irrefutable and that's the only way it gets overturned. Exactly.
1: The only way you're supposed to do it is you have absolute evidence if not. That should have been stands as called. Okay? It's another embarrassing week for the National Football League where they just can't get out of their own way. And by the way, if there's anybody from the NFL listening to this right now, okay, you want to call in and tell me wrong, fine, but you're going to get a one-hour fight from me and every <laughs> listener out there. Because And every listener out there. Because every listener out there, right, I'm telling you, almost all of them agree with what we're saying. Almost all of them feel the same way. Yep. And that's the problem. That's your consumer. Your consumer thinks you're wrong. Your consumer thinks you are wrong. Really. I just talked about Purdy Insurance, about how the customer comes first. All right? That's because of Purdy Insurance, the customer does come first. Sunbury Motors, guess who comes first? The customer. All right? Okay? National Football League, you act like you don't give a darn what your consumer thinks. They don't. They act like they don't care what their consumer thinks.
2: And they don't. I, I, I have no doubt.
1: I mean... I mean, they want to call up, oh, you're absolutely wrong about this. Oh, really? Would you like to sit in the stadium and tell everybody there about, how, you know, what a catch is and how 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 your eyes are so good that you could see the Kelvin Benjamin play? And I don't care who won the game. I don't care who won the game. I had no dog in the hunt. None. But I'm watching it, I'm like going, what the heck are they doing? <laughs> they suck the life out of it. They suck all the joy out of what you're watching.
2: Yep, they sure
1: do. Right? Because guess what? Somebody scores, and say you're, you have a rooting interest in the game. You pause for a second to see if you should cheer or not. That's the kind of game you want, where people pause to see if they should cheer? That's what you want?
2: And not only that, it changed the entire momentum of that game.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, but the pay, you know, we don't know how the second app plays out. I have no idea how it plays out. I mean, we just don't know. I mean, for Buffalo it was a huge blow in the game, right? There's no doubt about that. But you're watching something like, oh, no. oh okay, now we got to wait, now we got to wait, now we got to wait. Everybody, let's go get a sandwich. Al Riverden is making a decision. <laughs> hey, okay. Hey, Al, buzz us. Uh, okay, if you could buzz us on our cell phones when we should come back to the TV, we will. <laughs> Jeez. Mike Pereira made a comment about that. Mike Pereira was not wrong. We will come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, Heart of Dallas Bowl goes to the fourth quarter with Utah leading West Virginia 17 6 at the old Cotton Bowl. And it is old. I've done a game in there. I've done a game in there.
2: Part of Dallas Bowl, yikes.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, we can talk about that in the last half hour about the idea, are there too many bowl games? No, I have a better idea. I'd love to share with you. Oh, no, we'll share that in the last half hour. Absolutely. Uh, talk about that. Neil Coolong. next half hour, though. we're going to talk about the Steelers with Neil, who, by the way, is on the road going through the snowy Midwest.
0: <laughs>
2: it's crazy. Erie got 53 inches of snow. I know, I saw that.
1: Wow. Wow, wow, wow.